0: uh, uh, uh. This is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise, who seeks the good and has obtained peace. Let one be strenuous, upright and sincere, without pride, easily contented and joyous. Let one not be submerged by the things of the world. Let one not take upon oneself the burden of riches. Let one's senses be controlled. Let one be wise but not puffed up. And let one not desire great possessions even for one's family. Let one do nothing that is mean or that the wise would reprove. May all beings be happy. May they be joyous and live in safety. All living beings, whether weak or strong in high or middle or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far, born or to be born, may all beings be happy let no one deceive another nor despise any being in any state let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another Even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit, so let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down, during all one's waking hours, let one practice the way with gratitude, not holding to fixed views, endowed with insights, freed from sense appetites. One who achieves the way will be freed from the duality of birth and death. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the Metta Sutta. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher, Maha Prajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher, Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher, Eihei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher, Shogako Shunryu. The perfect wisdom, Bodhisattva Manjushri. May all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas extend their compassion to the benefit and well-being of all sentient beings, and to our great abiding friend, Barry Lopez, may he find his true place in Buddha's way. All Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, maha
1: Welcome, everyone. Uh, for new folks, I'm Tigan Leighton, the guiding Dharma teacher at Ancient Dragon Zen Gate. And I'm very happy to have giving the talk tonight, Howard Juan. Howard's been practicing an ancient dragon for more than five years. Uh, he's a student of Buddhist studies at University of Chicago Divinity School and is one of the leaders of our Wednesday evening Hyde Park group. Uh, so you can uh, check into the uh, Wednesday evening Zoom. Uh, it's a different Zoom link, but you can find it through the uh, Ancient Dragon website, and I'm very happy to have you speaking tonight, Howard. Uh,
2: thank you.
3: Thank you, Tygen, um, for the introduction, and thank you for giving me the space to do a talk tonight. Um, It's funny. My my talk is uh, sort of thinking through talking about mirrors and routines and habits. So a new routine I want to just let everybody be aware of is that my Internet likes to kick out every now and then. So if I go silent or freeze, um, that is a routine you'll get used to if it happens. (laughs) Um, So. I, you know i i'm not used to giving titles to talks but if i had to give a title to my talk it'd be reflecting the dust on the mirror um and so I, yeah i want to talk about mirrors i've have been sort of obsessed with the mirror imagery in zen for a very long time it's it's one of the most evocative images metaphors that i've come across um there's so much language about it in zen And through a lot of the Chan literature too, the predecessor to Zen. So I wanted to explore, sort of have a bit of an exploratory talk about mirrors, um, particularly through the Platform Sutra, the two poems of the Platform Sutra, Um, and sort of tie them to what I've been thinking about and how I've been sort of experiencing and 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 sitting through uh, the pandemic, (laughs) Um, unavoidable topic uh, to talk about these days. So. Um, it's funny when I, when I first, um, when the pandemic, uh, lockdowns, quarantines, whatever you want to call them started, uh, back in March in Chicago. Anyway, I had the sort of distinct feeling that it was not unlike a retreat or a session. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, other people have probably felt that way or, or have remarked that at some point or another during the last nine months of, pandemic life. Um because it was uh you know whenever I've gone on sessions, when I've gone on retreats, they've been a drastic shift in in the normal usual routines of my life. The the habits of my life didn't have any the external affirmations um the way that they used to. And I had to be accustomed to a very new routine. Um, in some ways very familiar uh, because I'm a homebody, Um, but I've also done retreats before, but um, getting accustomed to a new routine while still being stuck in the motions, in the momentum of what I was doing before. And so I always felt that Sashin's gave me a lot of space. Um, There was a lot of room to let my karma show up and for me to see it more clearly than I normally would you know, out in the world, doing the everyday thing. Um, so the sessions were a lot like a mirror to me, um, or at least a much clearer mirror than what I was used to. I could see myself reflected in everything. I could see everybody reflected in me. Uh, my perfectionism or my performance anxiety would show up in the various ways I, you know, performed a prostration or the way I chanted or the way I uh, forgot to signal for someone to stop giving me food. And then I had to deal with the consequences of that later. Um, but I could see all the karma I had brought with me much clearer than I normally could because I was in a different space with a different set of rules or expectations, a different way of organizing my life. Um She's revealed to me the the pervasiveness of my karma and the ever-present availability for me of a different response, a different way of performing in the same old skit that I've done over and over and over again. There's only so many times you can, you know, ladle some soup for somebody that you realize that is different every time, but you're also used to doing it habitually. So for me, there's been a lot of similarities between the session kind sort of orientation or, or mindset and my life in quarantine. I've been one of the, you know, I've been fortunate to be a non-essential uh, worker. I, I, you know, I never thought I would say that I was very happy to be non-essential. Um, I've been very lucky to be able to do everything that I need to do virtually. Um, I am not, exposed very much to It's outside of some grocery shopping um i've been finishing my final year of studies uh virtually i've been working virtually it's been it's been actually really great for me even though it's been such a drastic shift in routine um my partner uh melanie she has also been working virtually at home
2: Howard, we've
3: lost your sound. This is one of his freezes. Hello? Oh, ah, maybe you're back. Ah, okay. Um, I have a guess of where I got cut out. Um, my partner Melanie's been been uh working virtually as well. And so we've been up in each other's space constantly. We've been confined to the apartment nearly every 24 hours of our lives for the last nine months. Um, So in that way, it's become much like a, like a session for me. I've become really intimately familiar with the contours and the waxing and the waning of my karma, the areas that, you know, I, I wished certain things would happen a certain way. Uh, the, The ways in which Melanie and I, would have old arguments in a new context and we would just have them again and again. (laughs) Um, Areas that we were prone to become frustrated or upset um, because we we had, we were still running on the fumes of the momentum of karma from different places and became really manifest because we were just around each other all the time doing the exact same thing every day, day in, day out with not much change. So we became manifestly aware of each other's moods, tones, behaviors, and a lot more subtle ways than before. And, and it's been interesting, I think, that our relationship has gotten a lot stronger over this quarantine just because we, we have to navigate that. Um, sometimes the karma flares up in surprising ways. Sometimes we're caught up in the rush of it. Uh, and sometimes we're able to step out of that whirlpool and see something a bit different. So I kind of wanted to use that as a, you know, a bit of a frame for thinking about the mirror and the space of this mirror. You know, what is it about having this? Am I gone again? No. Okay. Um, What is it about having this, like, reflectivity of, of the quarantine of a uh, sashin and what we do in Sashin, you know we we do zaza we do sitting meditation we do walking meditation we do eating meditation we do we do everything in zaza what is this mirror like nature this mirrorness of things um and to work with this i want to turn to the platform sutra uh focus something, focus a little more directly on something from the tradition um I'm sure that's you know a fair number of you know some of this, but for those who don't I'll just cover some really quick details um this is because I think it's good to make sure everybody's on the same page um the platform sutras the text that uh most well known for featuring the teachings of the sixth fifth uh, sixth patriarch Hui Nang. um historically it was probably composed in like the eighth century or so uh it's been attributed to Hui Nang, but probably written by disciples to legitimate the school and whatnot. Um, It was a really critical text in sort of working out the disputes uh, about gradual enlightenment or sudden enlightenment in the what's called the northern and southern debates. Um, It eventually becomes a pretty conservative like orthodox position um, in terms of the literature over time. Um, But you know that's the historical realities i'm not as interested in that um i'm really interested in engaging the platform sutra as a story and what happens in it as a story so i'm just focusing on the first part which is the sort of the life of uh huinang um Nang was born to a father he was a government official later banished as a commoner and when his father died his mother and uh he decided uh, decided descended into poverty And they sold firewood to make ends meet. And one day, Huineng makes a delivery of firewood, and they hear someone recite the Diamond Sutra, uh, which is pretty much a primer on emptiness. And upon hearing the Diamond Sutra, Huineng is awakened. And he asks the person who's reciting it, you know, where did you where did you learn this sutra, where did this come from, who taught you this? And this person directs him to the fifth patriarch, uh, Hongren. And so after some time, he uh, he goes to studies under Hongren. And uh, after he's been practicing for a while, he uh, the teacher Hongren tells his students that they have to look into themselves and grasp their original natures. And so if a student, uh, he, he asks, a uh, student can write a verse demonstrating their awakening. Hongren will give them his robe and the Dharma, transmit the Dharma, make them the sixth patriarch. Uh, and I, uh, this is a tangent, but I always thought this was one of the most hilarious bits of the story. The students decide not to bother. <laughs> They're like, oh no, we we don't got this. We don't have this at all. And they wait for senqiu who is um, sort of the one of the head monks, at the time um, at studying under Hongren they just they're deciding to wait on him to just write the verse and do it for them basically and I, i've always found that to be a really hilarious uh bit of the story um so shen xiu writes a uh verse on the wall in the middle of the night because i it's a little bit not sure if it'll pa you know it'll it'll pass for Hongren and these poems are the ones i'm really interested in so shen xiu writes uh writes the poem The body is the Bodhi tree. The mind is like a clear mirror. At all times, we must strive to polish it and must not let the dust collect. And so next day, Hongren approves of this verse, tells the students they got to recite it. It'll let them see into their own natures. It's not, you know, it's not it, but... It's 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 pretty good and it's worth reciting um in the future. He's uh, one of my favorite bits is he says the he describes Shen Xiu as having arrived at the front of the gate but not having entered it yet. Um so eventually uh Hui over overhears a student reciting the verse, you know, because it's 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 worth at least reciting, um even if it's not a demonstration of great awakening. And just like the Diamond Sutra, he asks where it came from and if you could show him where it was written. And so another student reads it to him and he asks someone to write down his own verse. So in response, and he writes, the mind is the Bodhi tree. The body is the mirror stand. The mirror is originally clean and pure. Where can it be stained by dust? And so when Hongren sees this verse, he tells the monks that this is not yet the complete understanding either, but then in the middle of the night tells Huineng that, uh, he, you got it. (laughs) Uh, he tells him you have to awaken people to themselves and then tells them to leave while it's dark because the monks aren't going to like this decision. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to go into that whole thing. That bit is also kind of hilarious to me, but, um, Hoi Neng eventually becomes the sixth patriarch, very renowned, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to focus on the poems again. I'm going to read them one more time. Um, so Shen Xiu's poem is, the body is the Bodhi tree. The mind is like a clear mirror. At all times, you must strive to polish it and must not let the dust collect. And on face value, I think one way to interpret this is Pretty clear, pretty simple, pretty orthodox sort of interpretation is: um, there's a there's a mirror, um, and stuff falls on it, and you got to clean it off. You you have to sit, you have to do the practice, you have to do X, Y, Z to get to the mirror or to get to the bodhi tree, to get to awakening. Um, there's something wrong about having dust there, and. Huainang's verse is the mind is the Bodhi tree, the body is the mirror stand. The mirror is originally clean and pure. Where can it be stained by dust? And so for Huainang, it's more, well, one, he reverses the body and the mind, which is interesting. Um, But for him, the dust isn't a problem. The mirror is already clean it's already pure what's the what's the what's the problem with the dust there's no issue here um and so one way to read it is that you know if you take the story at, at its face value i think um, you can read it as Hu was right, and Shen Xiu's, uh verse is not correct um, Huang is the ultimate truth uh is originally clean pure but i've always even when i first read this i was always curious about uh shen poem because i i felt like you needed both for it to make sense so i've always read both at the same time i've always had them both sort of um uh sort of in conversation with each other in, in in my understanding and in the way that i've sort of internalized these poems in my practice um that the mirror is clean and pure. It's always clean and pure. It's originally clean and pure, and it also collects dust. So that the body mind, as you know, Dogen's favorite phrase, um, or one of his favorite phrases, anyways, is a mirror itself, and it comes into contact with other body minds that are mirrors. It sees itself reflected everywhere. It reflects everything, but that includes the dust, and I. Really do take this like really literally. Um, if you like, if you get if you get a mirror that's like you know you throw some stuff on the mirror, the mirror doesn't stop working just because dust is on it. Um, it continues to work sort of regardless, or in spite of, or maybe even you know alongside with um, the thing that seems to obscure it. So when the mirror is covered by dust, it just ends up reflecting that dust, that karma, and all the different ways it shows up. And, you know, Nang couldn't have really written this verse in response without Shen Xiu's first verse. So Nang's Demonstration of Awakening was also really dependent on the dust of Shen Xiu's so-called wrong verse. Um, he needed to respond to this dusty verse to be able to demonstrate his awakening. So, I find this really applicable to our own situation. Um, it's really difficult to reflect um, in a certain way. It, it it it's it's it can be hard to be present with whatever comes up, whatever arises, whatever perishes. Um. And especially when we are uh, taken in by the many layers of dust that coat our senses. And I think that's sort of the key turn, right? Like it's, it. I think a, a knee-jerk way, and I know that's it's my knee-jerk way, is to always treat the dust as a bad thing I need to sweep away and never have, Um and the other way to of, of of handling that is that if we look at the mirror as something that's always already there, that's always functioning, rather than that we are trying to make it function, we could we become more readily available to what's being reflected to us. So that the dust itself becomes like grist for the mill. You can have the dust becomes the 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 sand from which mirrors can be made <laughs> or something like that. Um, and so when I think about the mirror, when I think about reflections, when I think about karma and habits, when I think about a lot of thinking, uh, when I think about pandemic life, quarantine, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, I think about Zazen. And when we do sitting zazen, formally we sit in a specific kind of posture. It's a almost like a container, maybe a mirror itself, during which we experience seemingly everything and seemingly nothing at all. We return to the breath. We return to the body. But the breath and body are, arise from conditions. They are always with conditions. They're always sort of pervaded completely in and th- through karma, but it's also not separate from the luminous mirror like Buddha nature that is inseparable from everyday life. But the momentum of that karma, right? The, 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 circle, the cycle slows down just a little bit and it's enough for us to be a mirror to be our unto ourselves and to others. So that when we, see anger come up it's not the first time we've experienced anger uh after a while we can go oh yeah that one (laughs) but you also sense that oh it's that one and it's not quite the same and we get to have both we get to have we get to recognize the the currents of karma that we swim in and also recognize that it's carrying us in a different way than it did before we unearth this awareness that's always been there, that's always been, I like to think of it as dutifully reflecting our karma, um, and yet that, you know, we were unable to notice because we were so busy, caught up with the dust. I was cleaning yesterday, actually. I was spending a lot of time cleaning yesterday, I was just, like, scrubbing madly at the, at the stuff on the stovetop, um. And like I was putting so much energy to get these tiny little spots out that I failed to notice how clean everything else I'd gotten. <laughs> um, that's where the idea I came for this talk, honestly. Um, so as, as Dogen, uh, our 13th century founder, taught, practice and enlightenment are, are one and the same. And once enlightenment is, is realized, one realizes that Buddhahood has always been actively functioning. Are you know you I, you can think of it. I can think of it as as you know we're mirrors or things are mirrors. But I I also like to see it as you know mirroring mirroring mirroring. It's all verb. It just keeps happening, and we just fail to notice the mirror functioning. But we're not trying to force it. It's playing the part. It's it's enacting it. It's performing, um, in the sense of doing it, uh, to do zazen, to do the sitting, to take up the posture, to settle, to abide in non-abiding, favorite Zen phrase. And so zazen is a formal sitting practice. It's not just the space of a mirror. It's like reminding ourselves. It's rebodying ourselves as a mirror that we always have been, are, and will be. And when we remember this infinitely reflective capacity over and over again, we can, with a little more ease, meet the karma that comes with us, that we bring into, that, that follows us, and that we are a part of inseparably on and off the cushion when we engage with the everyday. And so I... You know, there's 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 sitting Zazen, and then I like to think of it, you know, sort of the everyday life version of sort of just living Zazen. Um, and when we do living Zazen, we enact Zazen in any kind of posture. Any breath, any body, any mind, any karma, any speck of dust offers us the possibility of awakening. We become more tuned to the dust on our mirrors. We're more readily able to clean it off, We're just in time for the next layer of dust that will inevitably fall on it. Shenxiu's verse tells us about the necessity of having to clean the dust off the mirror. Huaineng's verse, I mean, he notices that he doesn't say that dust isn't there. it just doesn't stop the mirror from doing its thing. So recognize, he recognizes that the, the mirror is always reflecting whatever comes before: dust, a different speck of dust, or something else. So Zazen is not, you know, just on the cushion, right? It's something that we put into practice every day every facet of our lives so we become more intimately connected with our mirror-like capacity so that uh, my brother is here, and this is a phrase that comes a lot from um, the quantum tradition, uh, when red comes red, when blue comes blue, when frustration comes frustration, when fear comes fear, um, whether that's inside, you know, internal or external of our body minds. And I, I, I've come to see over time, and I, I think it's, it became much clearer over this pandemic because of this sort of strange, these strange conditions under which quarantine is, is like a sashim, um, that doing zazen in, in the everyday is like cultivating a willingness to see what's always already reflected and reflecting uh, in our body minds. And I, I think it's been particularly
2: uh,
3: poignant, or, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a certain level of seriousness, more than there was before, because we're dealing with a, with a, with a pandemic. It's a health emergency. Um, Dogan tells us that we should practice zazen as if our heads were on fire. In other words, to you know to liberate ourselves um but our heads are always already on fire, <laughs> um sort of in reference to the the burning of our desires. zazen helps us see how the flames of desire uh burn us, and it's not like they stop <laughs> because they help light things up too, and I've been seeing it as they 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 zazen helps us become better fire keepers of a bonfire that lights up the darkness because desire does give shape to things. It does lend definition to things, but it's when we let the desire things, we, you know, it has to be this way. It has to be this way. It has to be that way and all the different ways that that manifests in all the karma that we have that's when we become obsessed with that speck of dust on the mirror rather than noticing that there's something reflecting that dust at all times. So during this pandemic, that's looked like me being willing to experience my sense of grief over the loss of my normal life, willingness to see my anger over wealth inequality and the broken healthcare system, the massive handling of... (laughs) Covid, um, it's been my willingness to really see the social anxiety and the the fear running amok. Willingness to eat to accept that things are impermanent, even though I don't like that. <laughs> um, including the things that I wish and hope will, will, you know, would be for the better, so that I can remain responsive and always reflective of where i am embedded how i am embedded how i uh flow in and out of different karmic situations so that i can be ready to respond so i can be ready to be able to be with whatever it is that comes up and whatever arises and whatever perishes so that is my talk i hope that that made some semblance of sense and it wasn't too rambly. Um, But I, uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear any thoughts, any responses. I am also open to, you know, very much open to this being a conversation not uh, a Q and (laughs) a. So thank you all
2: for listening. Thank you, Howard. Uh,
1: Very good. Uh, Comments, responses, questions for Howard, please feel free. Raise your hand to uh, Wade, or or I could call on people.
2: Hi, Howard.
4: It's Nicholas. Hey. Hey. um, So good to hear you speak. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad I tuned in tonight. And I, I just, uh, I loved the way that you sort of framed our human experience as, as karma so clearly, like, um, and it's just very helpful for me to think of my reactions and my patterns and my thoughts and behaviors, you know, in the context of karma, because it, it uh, is easier for me to not take it so personally, which kind of lightens my experience up in general when I don't, because it's not personal, right? It's it's karma and uh, it's something I have to work with, but um, I don't have to blame myself for it. So it's, I I was also thinking of the taint as maybe like shame, you know, like somehow related to shame. And, and so um. Yeah, I don't have to. You know that I I, I can be pure and uh, tainted at the same time, <laughs> and it's uh, it's okay. So thank you so much.
3: Yeah, I. You know, I. Uh, I, I one way I I like to sort of approach this is the. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe not the best method, um, but. When in doubt, go midway. When you skew too hard on the side of purity, you can think you've never done done any wrong in your life and nothing... uh, You're incapable of evil. You're incapable of wrongdoing. You're incapable of just hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, The skew on the other side of everything, you know, I am entirely dust. (laughs) I'm entirely... uh, 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 the, the, I'm bad through and through, um, that gives you no elbow room. That gives you a very rigid worldview in which you are stuck mm-hmm. for a very long time. <laughs> um, you, are, you, you are not able to imagine that there's a different possibility out there. Um, it's freeing to recognize that you are both totally conditioned by karma that is personal and cultural, social, historical, and to know that at the same time, while there are all these conditions of karma, they've also come together in such a way that it could only show up in this specific way in this specific time right now. So we have our habits, but then the habits can show up differently each time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's the helpful response, but
4: (laughs) yes. Thank you.
2: Mike. Howard, thank you for your
5: really wonderful talk. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like so relevant. Um, uh, Wade and I moved in together during the pandemic in May. And so, um, the whole experience has been like a mirror. It's a play of mirrors in a way. Um, uh, you're giggling right now. Um, <laughs> uh, just in the fact that like things that like, I, I mostly either live by myself or if I live with roommates, you know, I kind of kind of kept to myself sometimes. So, um, there are a lot of things that, like, I kind of never noticed that I did um, that are in a way being reflected uh, back at me, um, and you know, from very small things about you know how I things that I do with my fork when I eat to um, very more annoying things that I do um, that can be you know overwhelming in other situations, and um, it's been it's been a lot of work to. Um, kind of going back to what you're just saying you and nicholas about the middle way where it's like um when a lot of those things get reflected back at me um i feel wrong um or i feel it's like oh i shouldn't do that Oh, okay i won't do that um but it's then having to you know sort out you know kind of where where i am versus like um oh this is just new because you're you know someone's talking about it or like confronting you or like showing you these things that you do and they're not necessarily bad or good but just the experience of being shown that really intimately for the first time has been hard for me um and i don't know if you can speak to the same thing but um but i'm also incredibly grateful for that reflection um because it is it's two mirrors going back and forth in this interplay and so there are things i'm sure that i do to him that are just as well and it's his the 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 dust on his mirror is also. So it's not a pure reflection, you know, it's things, you know, being looked at through his lens. So, um, it's just different. So, um, rambling, but all that to say that, um, it, the it's a grateful experience to have that kind of interplay through real karmic mirrors. Um, and I'm very grateful for it. And I really resonated with uh, your talk. So thank you.
3: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, I, I still distinctly remember one of the, the um more uh, I guess visceral experiences I had um in Sashin once where I don't know, I think I just got like annoyed at at the at a for some for some irrational reason. Yeah. <laughs> um maybe just no reason, I'm not sure. Um got really annoyed at the way somebody uh did or didn't see.
2: we lost you
1: hello
3: you're back ah. Maybe. <laughs> I used to get a lot more annoyed at that um <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I used to get really annoyed for some reason. I uh, about the way someone did or didn't um, signal that they wanted me to stop serving food, <laughs> and and I, it troubled me for a long time because I I would sit there going, why am I getting so annoyed about this? This makes no sense. This this means nothing, and then it meant the world after a while. Of like, I I can I can go a certain route and think of this through like psychodynamically or something or like. I'm in social work school too, so like I can think about this kind of behaviorally, all this shit, right? Oh, sorry, all this stuff. And the thing is, I it it didn't so much matter my the way I was figuring out what was going on or something like that. So much as, oh my God. That this much of a tiny little thing that happened, I bring so much of my conditioning, I bring so much of my karma. So much so that I get pissed off at this random person who I barely spoke in fifty words to. It to this day, what else am I? Where else is this showing up? And how many ways is this showing up that I'm not even privy to yet? Um, and if you know that has been multiplied during the quarantine, <laughs> um, whether that's with my partner or just my with myself. Why won't you? Why don't you learn how to bake bread like everybody else is doing? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> Thank you.
6: I think Fushin has her hand up.
1: Hi, Howard. Can you hear me?
6: Yes.
3: Okay.
7: So I'm wondering in your experience, how effective it is to try to wipe away the dust or to strive to wipe away the dust.
3: Oh, it's a fool's errand. <laughs> um, I, one way, one way I, I have experienced uh, a, a a version of this is I used to work like at Mariano's, and I used to um, used to be like one of the produce team members, and like I I like the cold, so I handled the cold wall, the the, the wall, the wall, the refrigerated wall and stuff. I um, was handling cold things all day, um, and I remember being really annoyed uh, for a while about. I'd go in, grab all the produce, stuff on the wall, make it look pretty. But no matter what I did, there was always a spot empty or a few spots empty. And no matter what I did, no matter how many people I could get involved with filling the thing, naturally, it's the function of a grocery store. People were coming to buy stuff and pick stuff off the wall. And I would get so frustrated with it. And honestly, it, was, it wasn't until I got to the point where like, well, that's that's what's going to happen. I'm causing myself so much stress and so much distress by mm-hmm. hoping that a permanent state of things will, you know, this is a very, you know, dramatic way and very me thing to do with filling up the produce wall at a Mariano's. But um, I, I honestly kind of see it the same way. I, it's been my experience in the same way with uh, – with practice with the dust on the mirror not that you know i'm cleaning with the mirror i'm cleaning the mirror with the hope that i will get rid of the dust entirely but that um it's part of a part of the process of maintaining it uh
2: part of the process of maintaining what
3: maintaining the mirror um
7: also by wiping trying to wipe the mirror away, you're tr- you're maintaining the mirror?
3: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Pushing you, to ask the hard questions.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, I welcome them.
6: <laughs> David Ray.
2: I'm not sure this is going to work because, uh oh, uh oh. Talk about audio
7: mirrors.
8: Can you hear me now? Okay, good. Okay, so uh, my computer doesn't have sound, so I'm doing it through my iPhone. Never mind. Um, Howard, thank you so much for that talk. That was that was really useful and timely. And um, I really share this thought about uh, COVID life being like a uh, the 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 phrase I've used that it, is that sort of, this has been an opportunity where this online Zendo has kind of made my life into something like, you know, it has something like the rhythm of monastic existence thanks to this online Zendo. Um, and I, it feels like practice has really held me, you know, held me together this year and it's remarkable right i mean howard I, you know i met you the first time i came to ancient dragons and gate that that place that is no longer a place and now here we are you know at, at at the end of the year and i'm hearing you give this amazing dharma talk um so thank you so much uh it's it's the first time that i've that i've heard um in in this venue i've heard karma talked about in in, in the way that you that you described it you know and, and it, so, it sounds like for you it, it includes like like patterns, like you know, like like if I was thinking of you know, the the, the, the Jungian shadow and the the like the, the the parts of myself that keep showing up again and again, and I'm uh, I'm I'm always surprised by them because I'm always unaware of them, no matter how many times I see them again. Oh, there there it is again, that thing I keep doing. Um, but I guess I, I mean I, I'd I'd like to hear what hear more thoughts from you about about karma in that regard. But I'd also like to hear more about what you think the mirror mirrors. Um, I ask that partly because in, in the eightfold path study group, where we're, we were reading about uh, right mindfulness. So, how how come mirror does is is it is it that the mind has the capacity, or something in me has the capacity to 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 think that to think the thought that I'm thinking a thought? You know that that self reflexivity. Or, or is the is the mirror something else? So, what's up with karma and what's up with mirrors? One or the other, or both of those? And I love to talk.
3: Thank you, David. thank you, David. Um, not sure where to start. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mean, this is just a personal thing, but I, I, uh, my, my, my karma has led me to become very attached. <laughs> um to circles to habits to cycles to mm, mm, momentum um uh, i i i personally have always sort of uh really tied up the image or sort of my my the way i relate to and and feel cuz i really do think it's a feel like a you know um a feeling tone of karma uh is is like you know the cycle of samsara when you sort of oh that again, <laughs> this is coming up again and again and again um, i'm also you know i i also something that comes up for me a lot too is is the uh I th- Pretty sure this is Buddhist, but I think this shows up in some like Western philosophy too. Um sort of the notion of the 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 flame the flame the flaming wheel that looks like a flaming wheel but is really just sort of a flame a bunch of flames in motion. Um tiny flames in motion. Um and then once you slow it down, you can you're able to discern just a little bit more, like tiny bits, right? You, I don't know if we can get all of it, <laughs> um, but tiny bits of what is contributing to the motion of the karma that we keep finding ourselves, you know, getting motion sickness in. (laughs) Um, And I don't know with, with the mirror, I mean, that's a big question. And I'm, I, I, all I can venture is, 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 are, are really big guesses. Oh, am I lost? No. Okay. Um, yeah, all I can do is venture big guesses about that. I do think that there is something about, you know, that self-reflexivity, the the self-awareness. Um something about the the almost pointlessness of the infinite regress, of the, oh great, I now I now notice that I'm having a thought, that I'm having a thought, that I'm having a thought, that I'm having a thought. Oh, great, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> but can we just get back to what's happening there, like in that immediate
2: The uh, the embeddedness in in
3: the fact that I am I can't seem to get behind the behind there's a behind (laughs) and because the second I get behind the behind I'm just behind again (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense but I seem to like always find myself backed up like backed up against a mirror or that I am the mirror Um, and that there isn't well, I was gonna say there isn't the a mirror reflecting a mirror, but I think that there is. <laughs> um as, as Wade and Mike uh described it. Um Yeah, I don't know, that's that's a hard one. <laughs> I hope that uh was in any sense helpful. <laughs>
1: Howard, what you just said reminds me of the a demonstration made by the great Huayan uh, ancestor Fazang, who was asked by the Empress Wu to to demonstrate interconnectedness. And he made a hall with mirrors all around it and put a Buddha in the center. And you could see the Buddhas reflecting in all the mirrors, reflecting each other Anyway, uh, so it's like a a funhouse hall of mirrors where we're all reflecting each other everywhere. And so that's another aspect of the mirror, that it's just uh, mirrors all the way, you know, in every direction all the way back.
3: It's mirrors all the way down.
2: Yeah.
7: Paul has his hand up. Um. Yeah, you know, the the great thing about mirrors are that they have no, there's they have no abiding image. They're like they're like an example of 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 our of our act of, of our true being, where we have no 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 abiding nature, but we're we are open to whatever whatever the world is whatever the world is showing, and also it reflects everything just as it is, which is another great aspect of a mirror. Um, and I I was. I was, I was quite. Uh, anyway, our teacher um, Tiger and my teacher uh, Tenshin Roshi, he he always says that we we clean we clean because we're already clean, we bathe because we already bathe. It was the Tasahara that was part of the cha- part of, the, of our chant there, and so if you can clean, you have, you must always clean. You must always polish the mirror, but you don't. Have any expectations of already of cleaning it because it's already clean. Holding uh, the two opposing thoughts simultaneously is is uh, the best way to to clean.
3: Well, there it is. <laughs>
1: So we polish the mirror just to show that the mirror doesn't need to be polished.
6: It, I was just reading something that referenced a koan, and I'm going to horribly misremember um, this koan, but one one practitioner um, asks the other, so is there practice and realization or not? And And the other says, it's not that there is no, Practice and realization, but that they cannot be tainted, or that they are originally untainted. Maybe they, can't,
1: some, they cannot be defiled. Yeah,
6: be defiled. Um, and I was reminded of that. Well, one from what what Paul was just saying, and also um, from the second poem in your talk, Howard. Um, that the you know you you can't uh, what, what dust is there to polish off the mirror. Um but I also like your your note that a, a mirror covered in dust is reflecting all of the dust. It's it's fully functioning as itself, you know. It's maintaining its its full functioning um even while covered. And maybe that's um how do I want to phrase this? Um like the more karmic accumulation you have the more you reflect that accumulated karma. And if you can, if you can polish that off, you're still reflecting the same, but there's, there's less karma to be reflected back. Maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way, but that's, that's what came up in my mind.
3: Yeah. I'm also also, uh, reminded of the, the Matsu, uh, story of, um, I think, yeah, I think Matsu was the was the disciple at the time, um, and Matsu is is doing sitting meditation, and Nanyue shows up and it's like, what are you what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm I'm sitting to become a Buddha, <laughs> and Nanyue picks up a tile and starts rubbing at it, and it's is like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I'm I'm trying to make this tile a mirror, and Matsu, Matsu is like, you can't you can't do that. That's not going to make no matter how much rubbing you do on the tile it's not going to become a mirror and Nanya no, is just like yeah well why do you think that sitting is going to make you a Buddha <laughs> which there's a lot happening there in terms of mirroring and what what the effect of sitting meditation does but I think there's enough going on there too that you can um, read it as well it's not you don't sit to become a mirror <laughs> Um, you don't sit to, uh, uh, you know, actualize or or <clears throat> or, or be a Buddha. You doing it is it. Um, just this is
1: it, right? And Dogen's commentary on that koan is: is yes, you should polish a tile to make a mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, so maybe we should close. But let uh, Paul, you have the last word you have to unmute yourself first though,
7: Paul. I like the story that's uh that's much, much simpler, more straightforward and and the 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 monk that's that's wreaking the leaves the the fall leaves in the garden he's trying to get every ass leaf every every leaf up and uh he, he's very proud of his activity and when the master comes along, he shows it off proudly, and the master says it's not you haven't finished." And he goes over and he shakes the tree and more leaves fall the grass. and Now now it's perfect. So <laughs> there should not cleaning and, and cleanliness should not be confused. On that note, uh, why don't we do the uh
1: closing chant and then we'll have announcements. So thank you for a good discussion. Thank you so much, Howard. Wonderful talk. Wade, you can do the do the 4 body stuff for
6: Yes, here, let me put those words up real quick.
0: Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless, I vow. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them, delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them, dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them, Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it.